he's literally implementing programs on behalf of like Bill Gates. Like Bill Gates is designing the programs, the Gates Foundation is designing them, and he's using the entire government machinery to implement the program and roping in all of the media and then you know everything just goes out like celebrities influencers the entire like mainstream media everyone's just pushing this message of wear your mask and like be safe and you know just like constant propaganda which is directly stemming from the gates foundation they they openly admitted you're listening to the corbett report Welcome back, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, in a conversation that is being recorded on the 18th of January, 2022. And for today's conversation, I wanted to start by reminding the audience about a clip from my Who is Bill Gates documentary, specifically part two on Bill Gates' plan to vaccinate the world. The decade of vaccines kicked off with a Gates-funded $3.6 million observational study of HPV vaccines in India that according to a government investigation, violated the human rights of the study participants with gross violations of consent and failed to properly report adverse events experienced by the vaccine recipients. After the deaths of seven girls involved in the trial were reported, a parliamentary investigation concluded that the Gates-funded Program for Appropriate Technology and Health, or PATH, which ran the study, had been engaged in a scheme to help ensure healthy markets for GlaxoSmithKline and Merck, the manufacturers of the Gardasil and Cervarix vaccines that had been so generously donated for use in the trial. Had PATH been successful in getting the HPV vaccine included in the universal immunization program of the concerned countries, this would have generated windfall profit for the manufacturers by way of automatic sale, year after year, without any promotional or marketing expenses. It is well known that once introduced into the immunization program, it becomes politically impossible to stop any vaccination. Chandra M. Gulhadi, editor of the influential Monthly Index of Medical Specialties, remarked that it is shocking to see how an American organization used surreptitious methods to establish itself in India. And Samarin Nundi, editor emeritus of the National Medical Journal of India, lamented that this is an obvious case where Indians were being used as guinea pigs. Throughout the decade, India's concerns about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and its corporate partners' influence on the country's national immunization programs grew. In 2016, the steering group of the country's national health mission blasted the government for allowing the country's National Technical Advisory Group on Immunization, the primary body advising the government on all vaccination-related matters, to be effectively purchased by the Gates Foundation. As one steering group member noted, the NTAGI Secretariat has been moved out of the government's health ministry to the Office of Public Health Foundation of India, and the 32 staff members in that secretariat draw their salaries from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. There is a clear conflict of interest. On one hand, the BMGF funds the secretariat that is the highest decision-making body in vaccines, and, on the other, it partners with the pharma industry in Gavi. This is unacceptable. In 2017, the government responded by cutting all financial ties between the advisory group and the Gates Foundation. All right, well, with that as background, that is really only preliminary to the story that we're going to be discussing today, which is going deeper into India's COVID task force that has been dealing with the scandemic over the past couple of years and how that is connected into this bigger story about PPP, public-private partnerships, 
that are partnering the Indian government with bodies like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and others, or people with interests uh, in those foundations and pharmaceutical companies and others that are steering and directing public health policy in India. And in order to understand and flesh this out, we're going to be talking to a researcher who, ha who has written the article on this subject. The article uh, came out late last year, and I did link it in the newsletter at the time. It's called India's COVID-19 Task Force and Experts Exposed, Conflicts of Interest in Our Public Health System. It's available at awake, awakenindiamovement.com, and I will, of course, link the article up in the show notes. Today, we're talking to the author of that article, Johan Tengra. And Johan, thank you very much for coming on the program today. James, big pleasure to be a big, big fan of your work for like many years and actually your work helped uh, a lot of this article come together. If you see even in the beginning of the article, I've cited you quite a bit there to lay the kind of broader context for the international audience as well as the Indian audience as well. So That is right. Uh, and thank, I do appreciate so that. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's start with your own personal. Why did you write this article? How did you come to to write this uh, this particular article? It's actually a culmination of my work over the last seven years. Uh, I actually woke up back then in college when I was like 18 or 19. And ever since then, I was trying to figure out what's really going on. Uh, like ha had a big interest in terms of wanting to discover truth in many areas. So, I mean, health is just one of them. I mean, professionally, I'm involved in a kind of diagnostics and functional medicine company as well. So like health has become kind of a very big interest of mine. So ever since this whole uh, pandemic started, like I was aware about the New World Order Great Reset Agenda before it started as well. And then once it kicked off, it, uh, you know, gave me real perspective as to like how they were using this crisis to usher in what they planned like a long time before that. So uh, as soon as it started, I started investigating the Indian players, uh, the Indian money trail, like who are the kind of billionaires who are colluding with uh, the globalists abroad, as well as like how are they coordinating this entire response out here? Because it was exactly the same playbook that was playing out in the West as well. Uh, the same policies with respect to masks, lockdowns, vaccines. I mean, it's the same script literally everywhere. So I just wanted to figure out like who's implementing this out here, as well as some of the Indian context that I'd been researching over the years with respect to the HPV trial that you just mentioned. So I was trying to put all the puzzle pieces together and finally that like enough time had passed where I was researching and I had a good grip on the subject was I able to like put everything together so this article is like a, a culmination of a long time of understanding and putting the puzzle pieces together and finally I've been able to like just put everything in one place with respect to just the medical system and the public health system of India and uh, going back to the story since 2006 and like taking that up to now and putting everything into context as to like how they set it up, how they planned it since a long time and how they orchestrated the pandemic. As a researcher myself, I can appreciate how much time and effort goes into an article like this one with all of the links. And I hope once people read the article, they will be able to appreciate that as well. But yes, in order to set the table for this in the introduction, you start off for the benefit of the international audience, perhaps, who is India's Anthony Fauci. The mainstream media does not even know the names of the members who sit in India's uh, national task force. But in this article, I, Johan Tengra, have exposed not just the names of those who are sitting in the task force, but also how they are financially connected to the pharmaceutical industry and vaccine mafia, with specific links to the Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, Wellcome Trust, USA, the World Bank, and other aspects of the global deep state. And you lay out exactly what the article is going to cover. So, 
I guess, I mean, this is, this can be a confusing mess of acronyms, the N-T-A-G-I-A and uh, A-G-I and the P-A-T-H and the P-H-F-I. And I mean, there's so many different acronyms in here, but let's, let's try to get a handle on this story then chronologically, because as you say, you start in 2006. Let's start from that point and see how this mafia developed. Actually, let's let's start with the reference you you kind of gave to give the international viewers the context. So that was the story of this illegal HPV vaccine trial that took, that took place in uh, say 2007 or something. And uh, if you see by that time, you were referring to in like in the beginning of your monologue, you were saying that uh, the parliamentary committee actually held the investigation on the subject, and they found that uh, Path, the NGO that was involved in doing the trial, was guilty of flouting our clinical trial rules. So actually what happened at that time is that uh, like a parliamentary committee out here had to take up the issue and they published a scathing report that's known as a 72nd report. And they actually really went into detail. I would encourage people to like actually go and read the entire report. It's linked in the section of the article where I go into the HPV trials itself. But uh, I just like to read an excerpt from from that whole investigation that the parliament conducted into it. So they said it was wise, it was unwise on part of the ICMR to go into public-private partnership with PATH. So ICMR is the Indian Council of Medical Research. They have the mandate of like coordinating medical research in the country. And PATH is the NGO that was being funded by the Gates Foundation that did the trial. And they said as such an involvement gives rise to conflict of interest. So they were basically like finding an issue that a body that had been set up in the country to coordinate medical research went into a public-private partnership with this NGO with the sole purpose and intent of getting the HPV vaccine approved in India's schedule. And they really scathed them in this report. You know, they, they were saying things like, that's that's not your role to, to kind of uh, intend or to kind of try to get this vaccine in the Indian schedule. There's another body set up for that, which is known as NTAGI, which is the National Technical Advisory Group on Immunization. They actually have the mandate of approving which vaccine will come on the Indian schedule and which won't. And ICMR is, is not supposed to be involved in that. So they actually found it very uh, surprising that ICMR and another a regulator out here known as DCGI were involved in this as a drug controller general of India. And the, the thing that got missed in this whole mess is that they found such a big issue that ICMR colluded with an NGO just to get like one vaccine approved. But uh, to kind of lay the co- context to this, what I discovered is that back in 2006, Gates actually, like literally, I mean, Bill Gates himself, Along with Rajat Gupta, I think, you know, you probably must be aware with Rajat, but he got convicted of uh, insider trading fraud, uh, I think, in 2011 or something in America. And he had connections with the Clintons and and all of that. So him, along with Rajat Gupta and a couple of other like uh, Indian technocrats and billionaires, they actually set up this body called PHFI, which is the Public Health Foundation of India. And uh, actually, it even goes back before 2006, because in 2004, there are some WikiLeaks cables that uh, came out where uh, our health minister was talking with the state department in us and they were talking about how they need to set up like this uh, public health body that you know uh, pushes the public health agenda in india and uh, coordinates research and funds people and, and all of that so it goes back to 2004 but you can pra- concretely pick it up in 2006 where the gates foundation actually invested uh, 60 crore rupees into the body and they took 60 crores from taxpayers and this was known as the phfi so this parliamentary standing committee had an issue with the conflict of interest between ICMR and the NGO for one trial. But what they didn't notice is that Gates literally set up a body that over the years was going to receive funding from almost like every single deep state organization you can think of. 
the cesspit i mean like literally the definition of the cesspit so pfizer johnson and johnson the rockefeller foundation usaid welcome trust like abbott glaxo smith klein mckinsey all these players have uh, consistently funded phfi since the beginning like since 2006 right until 2021 itself during during the pandemic itself so there's a big much bigger conflict of interest it's not just about the trial that they conducted and the the, the issue with the trial was that they totally broke the rules i'm sure your viewers must be a little familiar with this but if i can just like speak to the trial a little bit the main issue was that they totally uh, skipped the consent of the kids that they were doing the trial on and they actually got the teachers in the school to like give consent false consent on the kids behalf without actually involving the parents and stuff and the consent forms were forged as well as they didn't have a system to actually report uh, and record adverse events in the trial so they were actually trying to do it as some kind of observational study but it was actually a clinical trial so they didn't uh, they flouted all the rules and that's why they got taken up so badly on it because seven girls died i actually know the lawyer personally like i'm i'm working with him on supreme court cases right now along with our group so uh, his name is colin gonzalez and he featured in the pandemic documentary as well of uh, mickey willis so Uh, he actually pursued this whole case like after the parliamentary committee published this report it did not get taken up there was no action on it like the parliamentary committee actually recommended that uh, icmr uh, officials should be held accountable and paths should be held accountable and everything but nothing happened so our lawyer like fought a case and it's still going on surprisingly like it's been 9 uh, 10 years to that and uh, that's how the whole thing has progressed so the main issue over here is that the biggest conflict of interest is this public health foundation of india because it was literally set up by gates it's been funded by all these deep state characters and they have literally manipulated entire the entire like public health framework of india uh, so yeah that in a nutshell is kind of uh, the introduction to this absolutely and and i i want to i want to stop and and sort of sort that out for people because again it's so important this ntagi which was the national technical advisory group on immunization which makes the recommendations to the indian government which essentially becomes the national immunization plan so if they say hey let's let's uh, use this vaccine it means kaching kaching for merck or whoever is producing yes. that vaccine so that's why it was important to essentially infest that the board of the ntagi with gates connected global mo- uh, health mafia figures and so they did that through this public health foundation of india set up with gates support phfi and that that relation between the ntagi and the phfi was one of the things they were pointing out as this this point this conflict of interest point and And so I did report the the follow up to that in 2017 they they tried to remove those ties from the NTAGI but that got misreported in some of the alt media as the Gates Foundation was kicked out of India which is not true perhaps you can go through that I remember you did a video on it at that time as well like going into why the Gates Foundation was not really kicked out of India I particularly remember that so you were right about that the Gates Foundation was never kicked out of India what actually I'll tell you the, the kind of context to what actually happened so uh, like modi the, the prime minister he's backed by this kind of uh, right wing hindu nationalist group called rss the rashtriya swayamsevak sangh so there was a member of that called ashwini mahajan and he actually made a lot of noise he published a report on how like gates was involved with phfi and actually phfi was involved in the ntagi which is deciding like which vaccines would get approved in india and he made a lot of noise about that then so what happened is that uh, this issue got taken up at the national level and the home ministry actually suspended phfi's license so phfi as i told you was like continuing to receive funds 
from all these figures and uh, they basically like cut the license out totally so they actually stopped receiving funding for like 6 months from all of these players and uh, like along with that they also removed uh, the uh, like itsu's funding that was coming into the gates foundation so they severed the ties between the gates foundation and the itsu which was the immunization technical support unit that was the secretariat of the ntagi which was receiving funding from the gates foundation but it was a sleight of hand if you see they actually replaced the gates foundation is role in like funding that whole thing with john snow international and if you go and see like john snow inc on the gates foundation's website they get huge grants from the gates foundation so it's just like we get out and then we put another body in and the gates foundation didn't go out of india anywhere they, their role in funding was just removed specifically from the itsu they still continue to fund other departments of of the itsu itself so they stopped funding the secretariat but they were still involved in like funding other categories of the itsu and along with that they like didn't get touched or they weren't removed out of india anything they have like big public health programs when it comes to other vaccines and all kinds of interventions on uh, reproductive health and, and reducing like the uh, in the number of people having kids and the fertility rate and all that so all of that was going on side by side and they were never really kicked out of india that's what the international audience really needs to understand because i've seen this kind of claim parroted uh, a lot by the alt media that gates was kicked out whereas in like in truth he never really was james all right so let's move the story forward towards the the scandemic era and um we're starting to bring in the covid task force the national covid task force and some of the players on that let's talk about some of the bodies that have been operative during the scandemic Yeah so if you if you fast forward this to to today's context uh, I mean if I can just give some more background on PHFI this will this will make a lot more sense so what PHFI was set up to do is literally infiltrate India's public health policy system so what gates did is he set up PHFI he opened the door for foreign funding so it continued to receive funding from like all of these pharmaceutical industries and deep state players that are involved in orchestrating this whole uh, pandemic and phfi actually set up like higher institutes of learning that would train uh, people sort of mastering in public health in india to kind of adopt this whole mindset of how public health is to be used to implement like fascist totalitarian controls of course they're not like taught it with that perspective but like how it practically plays out with i mean all the shikandri that we've seen you know with respect to how pandemics are exaggerated and how it's used to like implement lockdowns and masks and social distancing and all of that they they are kind of trained in that mindset so they actually set up uh, centers of higher learning where people would kind of get indoctrinated and then go uh, become part of like uh, policy making and uh, you know the government structure and they would actually implement like the model in which they were trained that's which is why phfi also tied up with like foreign universities like john hopkins emory university i think even they got funding from oxford as well so there was this kind of uh, mesh between uh, the international kind of universities which are behind uh, you know the publishing of the numbers at least like john hopkins and uh, phfi you can go and look at that in the financial reports of them as well so that was like one thing they were doing and the other thing they were doing is like directly infiltrating public policy so like all of our national health programs in india have been carried out directly by the, the phfi and uh, what phfi does is it kind of captures people from uh, say government in india and it brings together government uh, bureaucrats so the heads of the indian council of medical research as well as the ministry of health and family welfare 
they are ex officio members of the board of phfi so no matter who comes in as director of these bodies like they automatically get inducted in the board of phfi and they share they sit on the same board along with representatives from the gates foundation so gates foundations india director global directors like they've all sat on the board you had representation from mckinsey you have all the billionaire class in india that's connected with the deep state that we can probably go into later so this is how like phfi was set up as this kind of mini deep state in india to, to really uh, bring all of these pieces together like bring the government people in bring the business side in bring the health people in so that the whole thing can be coordinated i mean and of course bring the ngo complex the trojan horse complex in which will really uh, take it forward in terms of funding and pushing the agenda and uh, what we see in today's covid context is that uh, most of the people from phfi have actually infiltrated all the uh, state kind of health making authorities and advisory roles so i've i've gone into this but PHFI's president is a, is a very influential technocrat in India. His name is Shrinath Reddy. Uh, he's actually very been uh, close to Modi as well in the past. Uh, he's involved in the national task force that, that I'll come to. So th- the nutshell is that a lot of PHFI people, a lot of PHFI kind of uh, academics and scientists have infiltrated all the way down to the state advisory committees as well as they've grabbed the uh, national task force as well, which has played a big role in shaping India's India's policies. and uh, along with that if you see like uh, what's what's happened with phfi is that they've been very deeply involved with the national task force as i said so some context of the national task force like no one knew in india until like last year until i like really dug this out who was sitting in the task force so this is like a group of 21 people that have gone into where literally like in the indian media like i was trying to see reports of like who's sitting in the task force because they've made everything so complex like like you were saying earlier james like there's the ntagi and there's itsu and there's this phfi and then there's like other 10 committees like negvac and there's, there's so much right so it's it's very confusing to like lay people to figure out who's doing what compared to uh, say america where you have this one guy and the the whole center of like all the rage as well as all the i mean blind love and devotion that largely comes from the democrats it like goes towards one person but out here it's like you don't know who's doing what because it's like this vague uh, behind the scenes uh, health managerial class it's all like you know shrouded in secrecy and it's all done being done by health experts and everything so no one really bats an eyelid because no one can figure out who's doing what so i i try to like that figure exactly that i think i've succeeded in doing that in this article as well so no one really know who was sitting in this task force and this task force is like central to you know orchestrating all the pandemic rating policies that was that were going on and i found it damn surprising like i was seeing journalists who were reporting on the issue and they were always quoting these task force people in anonymity like i've i've quoted some articles in the end of this piece as well but there's a there's a couple of articles from caravan magazine which is like a pretty famous magazine out here and there's a newspaper as well and they're all like you know at least the the newspaper article that the, the journalist was pretty smart so he was basically saying that how can this task force be secret they are literally dictating our lives and they've been involved in so much blunder surrounding the approval of the vaccines and the adverse event reporting system and everything and it's a pity that we don't know the names so i found it really surprising that like i could just put some keywords in in a search engine and figure out like exactly who's sitting in the task force when this is the subject of like all the media is kind of talking about oh how we don't know who's inside it and all so i actually like figured out exactly who's sitting in this task force and i was not surprised to really find how key players of this task force 
are uh, you know related to phfi as as well as their like other health technocrats that have deep conflicts of interest with the gates foundation with the rockefeller foundation uh, with wellcome trust with the world bank with usaid and, and all these other players so that's that's the kind of context to the the covid task force so it kind of brings in all these elements together because it brings in the icmr as well so i was telling you icmr is indian council of medical research and they actually set up this task force and if you remember in the like uh, 2007 hpv trial that the parliamentary committee wrote a report on they actually accused icmr of uh, conflict of interest for just getting into a public private partnership with the ngo that gates was funding so i mean as i said what they didn't notice is that the icmr literally entered into a conflict of interest not just for like one project but for the entire public health system because the icmr director generals have always sat on the board of phfi like right from the beginning all the director generals of icmr have sat on the board of phfi along with all these technocrats and billionaires and the entire ngo complex and they literally set up the national task force which is uh, headed by big technocrats again who connect into the same ecosystem that that we can talk about and they've been directing the entire uh, you know covid policy that has gone on everything from mass policy to testing policy asymptomatic uh, you know testing of asymptomatics and the vaccine adverse event reporting system the vaccine approvals they've been involved behind everything so that's how the task force kind of brings in the other pieces i was mentioning like the icmr as well as there are like 3 4 phfi top phfi people sitting in the task force as well and what i found is that like i literally sat and researched every single person who sat in this task force and i figured out like five to six fauci's of india so i couldn't really find like one person who is very influential and who's calling all the shots but that power is kind of diffused i would say between four to five people so the top ones for the foreign audience would be uh, vinod paul nk arora uh, there's uh, shina threddy who's the president of phfi there's k vijayaraghavan who's the principal scientific advisor to the government of india and there's like uh, been two three more who have uh, equal stake i would say but the most kind of influential people would be these some like surprising facts that came out in my research so uh, actually our entire mask policy and the entire like uh, psychological manipulation of people that went on after the first wave that uh, entire policy was designed by the gates foundation so they actually like reported this we have a body in india called niti ayog that's tasked with the responsibility of implementing the sustainable development goals in india uh, so the this character called vinod paul he chairs the covid task force and he sits in this niti ayog body and you can find reporting of how the gates foundation designed a behavioral change campaign to like literally make people uh, start using masks more and implement social distancing and high like sanitization hand hygiene and all of that so literally the gates foundation designed the program this is admitted by like official government sources as well and then this uh, i mean puppet of gates uh, his name is vinod paul Uh, he actually if you see his interaction with gates and his conflict of interest like i've gone into that in detail into the article as well he's very very close to modi so he directly reports to modi he chairs the task force and then uh, he's literally implementing programs on behalf of like bill gates like bill gates is designing the programs the gates foundation is designing them and he's using the entire government machinery to implement the program and roping in all of the media and then you know everything just goes out like celebrities influencers the entire like mainstream media everyone's just pushing this message of wear your mask and like be safe and you know just like constant propaganda which is directly stemming from the gates foundation they they openly admitted so this is this is the kind of i mean uh, direct blatant conflicts of interest that are found and i'm just giving you one example like i've gone into many like these in the article itself
Right. Well, I see the parallels between perhaps the way that it's functioning in India and the way that it's functioning in uh, the UK, where you have the sage group of advisors that, again, they didn't publish who was on the Spy B panel that it was later revealed were literally uh, advising the government on how to increase fear among the public in order to increase compliance with policies. And um, Laura Dodson, I believe, was one of the uh, the journalists who's written a book about that that's absolutely fascinating. I'll put in a link in the show notes for people who want. But yeah, there's definitely some parallels there. And it's not necessarily one single person who is directing all of this. It's all of these various people. And perhaps that's the smarter way to do it. Um, because a Fauci can be identified and scrutinized. Whereas if you have a diffuse group of people doing different things at different times, it's harder to do so. But then I guess the obvious question is, so what specifically has been India's response to the scandemic? What has the task force really advised the government to do? Yeah, so the one important thing to understand is that these people have lied on record. So uh, actually, like all the people who have referenced in the article who have conflicts of interest, and I mean, they try to get away with these conflicts of interest by saying that we're not really directly taking money from the pharmaceutical industry. But I mean, if you kind of study the tactics, what they've done is they've they've created like the third point. So they don't directly take money from pharma, but they'll always take money from like, uh, you know, Gates Foundation or Wellcome Trust, who are then going ahead and like having investments in vaccine manufacturers. And, uh, you know, like there's detailed articles that, that have been done by at least on Kennedy's website. And you've done them as well, showing how like Gates is totally like invested in the vaccine industry and he's working on the vaccine industry's behalf. And so is Wellcome Trust. So they've kind of made it like one step further so they can directly deflect accusations but i mean that's that that doesn't really fly with uh, people who have a brain cell on active duty so they are they are openly lied in the ntagi committee so a lot of these people who have referenced who sit in the task force and have referenced they have conflicts they are sitting in the committee that's deciding which vaccines will get on the indian schedule so if you see like all of them have lied on record because before that committee meeting starts they have to declare conflicts of interest and they always declare that we don't have any conflicts of interest, etc. So this is very useful for our legal case because we're actually taking this whole thing and taking it to the Supreme Court, and uh, we're pushing for these people to like get thrown out and uh, you know put in jail and everything. So uh, I come to that probably a bit later. But to, to your question about uh, you know how how they really manipulated this whole thing, so it's one thing to have, have a conflict, right? Like if someone's having a conflict of interest, uh, you know there's a likelihood that they're being influenced by the person they're taking money from, and they'll they'll give like a policy or ruling on their behalf depend depending on what the conflict is but it's not just that they have conflicts but it lines up with their uh, reporting on the science as well so i mean like after one and a half years of this whole thing being passed we know some things for sure like lockdowns don't work there's a ton of evidence on this there's so many papers in the published literature on like why lockdowns don't work why asymptomatic people don't spread disease why natural immunity is much better than vaccine conferred immunity uh, why the vaccines are not really safe and even the efficacy is like based on really weak evidence, why masks aren't effective and they have like many negative health consequences, the false positive rates of like the PCR and the antigen test. So, I mean, like we know a lot of these things are like true now, especially uh, the last thing I forgot to mention is if like effective and safe uh, treatment and preventative options like vitamin D, ivermectin, etc. Uh, so, in contrast to like reporting on any of this, like all of these people have recommended the exact opposite. So you can like I've, I've referenced these people later, but you can find quotes like from from each of these people. Like for example, one of these people, the president of PHFI, he called uh, like he said that if we bank on the concept of herd immunity, it would prove like costly and deadly. Other scientists said there's no need to worry about blood clots from COVID shield vaccines, and another person said there's no safety concerns about COVID vaccines at all. Uh, 
so I mean, it's statements like that. One guy said, like this Vinod Paul character is talking about to the chair of the task force. He was like, it's time to wear masks at home, and we'll have to wear masks for the next year. That's what he said last year. So all of these people, like, uh, I mean, I, I literally researched every like single person out here because I had to send them like a legal notice because filing a legal suit against them. And every single person I would research and I would try to see like ha- have they even got one thing right? So there was one guy who got close. Like one guy commented on a study and he said that okay the reinfection rates and natural immunity are low, but uh, we can't base policy around this because we need more data and we need more evidence. So I mean they they literally just like want to push vaccines and and uh, want to implement like all these unscientific policies that we spoke about. So that's how they've influenced the task force because the task force has been very influential in. like drafting all of these policies when it comes to uh, testing of asymptomatics that has been going on that has been a large percentage of like fueling the fear mongering in india because i mean we've got rtis and replies from the government wherein they've told us like what percentage of the population that who came positive were asymptomatic and it's always been like 85% plus you know like on an average in fact we got an rti which said that 97% of all the tests that were done in india were Uh, asymptomatic like all the positives that came out and that's i mean that that's a shocking number because it's like you're seeing all these reports on tv every day that so many cases so many cases but these are all healthy people so you know like what are we really fear mongering about and uh, if you see like the task force has in, been involved in terms of like uh, vaccine policy approving the vaccines taking shots from the lockdown so all these i mean like i want to curse them but like they were literally pushing for a national lockdown like when the second wave came to india like all of these people were like hardcore we need a lockdown we need to lock down the whole uh, country at one go so that we can stop the transmission of the virus and everything so they have been calling the shots on a lot of different things and they've managed to be in total secrecy right right until now so i mean hopefully that i'm i'm doing a lot more publicity on like making indian people know like who these people are who have destroyed the lives for the last two years and most recently like what they did is they removed uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine from the national protocol like these drugs were included i mean if you've come across reports of uh, the up government using ivermectin to uh, you know reduce the second wave and all that so they literally removed it from the national protocol so i mean lot more physicians who would be using these drugs earlier they are less likely to use it now because these people who i'm like talking about in the task force they actually removed these from the protocol. So that's how the task force But has been very guess. influential. Let me yeah. guess. Let me guess Remdesivir is still on the protocol, right? Uh no, they actually removed oh. that as well. Wow, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. So it yeah. sounds like But, it is mostly in lockstep with the global agenda on this. Um and just to be clear, uh which vaccines so called have been approved or are emergency use authorized? What is the situation there in India and are boosters on the way? Uh, it's only emergency use authorizations there are two vaccines so in india it's known as covishield but abroad it goes by the name of astrazeneca that's i mean the astrazeneca vaccine and another one is covaxin but uh, so it this covaxin vaccine is like portrayed as some kind of indigenous vaccine that's developed but if you actually go and research the roots of the company that made it that's bharat biotech uh the, the managing director of the company has deep ties to bill gates because if bill gates didn't fund these people like he wouldn't be able to start i mean there's an article that i've quoted in this piece as well that talks about how like for the company to start like bill gates was very very crucial in making that company kick off because they developed the rotavirus vaccine uh, many years back that's that's how they started off so both the vaccine manufacturers out here have uh, deep ties to gates like of course a serum institute which is manufacturing like astrazeneca the covishield vaccine as it's known out here they act like gates foundation actually funded them specifically for uh, the the covid vaccines itself 
and the boosters are on the way they've just approved the boosters for like uh, health people and uh, people who are 60 plus they, they did this just last week so people are actually getting their boosters in india right now and they slowly open it up for more age groups so it's the same narrative like it's, it's going on in lockstep with uh, correspondence with like whatever's going on abroad yep and how about in terms of the uh, the qr code health pass agenda where is india on that uh, so actually, there there was a kind of tweet by the ICMR itself, surprisingly, uh, last year, where they were talking about like a a digital tattoo kind of thing to, to scan me, like medical information from people. So surprisingly, there are scientists in our country who are working on that. Uh, nothing is out yet in, in terms of anything tangible, but they have like shared information that they are working on something like that. And of course, we're seeing reports now from... Uh, globally talking about like microchips being used to track uh, COVID vaccine certificates and everything. So, and then, I mean, you went into your Bill Gates documentary as to how they're working on quantum dot like tattoos and stuff. So, yeah, I, I know from a source that that is uh, being worked on in IIT Bombay, like where I'm at, like they are working on that kind of tech uh, where they want to give the vaccine as a patch in, in my city, in the in, like Indian Institute of Technology out here as well. Well, one of the things that I appreciate about this article is that you also, at the very least, include what has been said on the other side of this issue. For example, you note that journalist uh, Kapil Bajaj has uh, had sent a list of questions to ex-PHFI chairman Narayan Murthy. One of them was regarding how PHFI intends to resolve the conflicts of interest which exist within its governing body, and the response... <laughs> For what it's worth, I do not see any conflict of interest. This institution is about training, research, and policy to improve public health delivery in India. This institution has highly respected and accomplished people to guide it to achieve its objectives. The individuals on the board have demonstrated leadership and excellence. Some have expertise in public health delivery. Some have managed nonprofits. Some have been excellent academicians. Some have been top-quality government bureaucrats. And in addition, some have contributed to the endowment for the institution." Blah, blah, blah. You can read the rest of that statement. Uh, what's your response to a response like that? Of course, all of these people are going to have ties to these various public health bodies and and uh, and uh, nonprofit organizations and philanthropic institutions, because that's where that's where people are making their these decisions. So, of course, they're going to have those ties, right? No, I mean, what, what he's basically saying is just trust us. You know, we, we're not getting influenced by our conflicts. Like, of course, we have a financial incentive to benefit from these things, but we're going to put our humanity over that and we're going to do right, the right thing. That's basically what he's saying. So it comes down to trust. And to be honest, we don't trust them because of all the evidence of what they've implemented and how their conflicts have actually uh, influenced their narrative and their stand on uh, things we can understand through the scientific method, which we know like aren't uh, don't depend on really like us analyzing conflict of interest. But just if I leave all the conflict of interest aside and I just look at the science on the subject, like I know what's true. And like, these people are taking a totally opposite stand on almost every issue. I've not even found one person who, who can like take the right stand on any of these issues, uh, at least according to me. Yep. All right. Uh, Johan, there is so much to cover in this article. We can only scrape the surface in a conversation like this. And there's so much more I'd like to talk about uh, regarding India with you, uh, talking about demonetization and Adhar and uh, and the farm law protests and all of these things, incredible things taking place in India. But for the purposes of today's conversation, perhaps we'll we'll leave it there and, leave, and exhort people to go and read the article for themselves. But are there any other points made in this article that you'd like to cover before we leave it? Yeah, just uh, one last thing I'd like to mention. So uh, the adverse event following immunization system, 
uh, that itself has uh, i mean a lot of problems surrounding the conflicts because the the way in which they assess deaths post vaccination these have been rigged by the vaccine manufacturers so it's known as the eefi causality assessment criteria and actually if you study the entire history behind it this was rigged by like 19 vaccine manufacturers and pharmaceutical industries uh, reps who literally met with global uh, you know health bodies like the who and other agencies and they actually changed the way in which they would classify deaths after vaccines and if you if you look into the committee that's actually responsible of implementing the adverse event following immunization system in india which would actually you know be responsible in picking up whatever uh, side effects stuff we are seeing after vaccinations whether that's uh, clotting and thrombosis in the case of like covid shield or heart attacks myocarditis deaths etc we're seeing all of these in india but uh, you know because the reporting system is so rigged they haven't advertised the system so no one knows about it they constantly parroted this claim that the vaccine is totally safe and effective so i mean no one even suspects like the general population typically have hesitancy towards thinking that the vaccine has caused the event because they also have this kind of attachment that i've taken the vaccine so i've done the right thing so there's this kind of cognitive dissonance also to kind of think that okay maybe the vaccine could be involved and even if someone goes and like files the eefi complaint and the report goes and then it has there's a process where it goes to the district committee or state committee and the national committee and then the national committee decides based on all the evidence if the death happened because of the vaccine or not so what i was saying is that the the basis on which the criteria based on which this national committee decides if the death happened from a vaccine or not was rigged by the pharmaceutical company so earlier they had a much more liberal criteria known as the brighton classification where they had like a scale of probabilities like it likely happened from the vaccine it's probable it's possible or it's unlikely so they had this kind of scale depending on the time relationship between the event and the vaccine and if the person had any other issues going on health wise and they made it very very narrow so now it's very difficult to like prove that a vaccine caused an event especially if it's not seen in the trials or if it's uh, not there at all like the deaths and serious adverse events that aren't seen in the trial they get dismissed if they are seen in the general population and they say that there's there's no link between the two so the the found the body that's involved in like uh, implementing these guidelines and the eefi system in india is the itsu that's the immunization technical support unit and uh, as you mentioned like rightly in the beginning of the podcast the itsu was being funded by the gates foundation you know uh, and they were being funded through the phfi so it kind of brings everything together and if you see who's sitting at the director of itsu is a guy called preetu dhalaria who's worked with uh, gates foundation like path the ngo that had like is actually blacklisted in india it's a criminal organization because they did illegal trials uh, so yeah that's just like one one last thing i wanted to mention because uh, the efi system is really crucial and like right now a lot of children are dying as well like because they just opened up the age group for 15 to 18 year olds and in my city as well like one kid died but because of how rigged this entire efi system is these deaths never get acknowledged and all these deaths are just dismissed as coincidental deaths so we can just directly see how the conflicts are influencing the the reporting of uh, vaccine adverse events as well as they have conflicts in the communication strategy so the gates foundation unicef along with itsu this body that i just mentioned they're controlling the entire vaccine communication policy in india so all the narrative that's been going on on television and print media all the radio jingles that the vaccine is safe and effective go take it etc it's all been coordinated by the same people so the messaging as well as like the adverse event reporting is totally rigged by these people so we'll never even see anything come out of substance unless there's a lot of public pressure behind it yep and you mentioned in passing a you're you're filing a supreme court case against yes. these people for the conflicts yes. of interest tell us about that yes yes Yeah so we actually have a lot of legal action going out here I've 
I'm personally working with uh, three groups of lawyers. So there's one known as uh, Advocate Prashant Bhushan. He has a case in the Supreme Court that's actually going on with uh, his petitioner, Jacob Puliel. I think you've mentioned Jacob Puliel in like, you know, you've done this fact check on the polio vaccine and you'd really, you'd really gone into it. So you had quoted his papers on the OPV link to NPFP. Yeah, so he's, he's the same author. So he's actually working with Prashant Bhushan on a case in the Supreme Court. Uh, there's another lawyer called Colin Gonzalez who I told you was involved in the litigation behind the HPV trial, like uh, litigation after that. So we worked very closely with him. In fact, I was in Delhi working with him earlier this year and we filed many, uh, we filed at least three petitions now regarding the EFI reporting system as well as children's vaccine, like a petition just gone two days back. And we are working with the Indian Bar Association out here. They, they just live like right next to me. It's been a blessing to find them because uh, he's like a big legal luminary and uh, he's very, very well respected in the legal system a lot of judges know him and he's like done a lot of matters for really big clients before so i mean he has a real potential of getting us some breakthrough legally so uh, all these uh, cases are going on like we have a case in bombay high court as well that like i'm the lead petitioner in that and uh, what the tactic we're seeing is that our lawyers have really cornered them on the legal points so now that we've actually managed to corner them, they're not listing our case. Funnily enough, like uh, the hearing is just going to happen today. And it's actually our, I think, seventh or eighth hearing. So we are expecting like some something to, to come out of this. But we've really managed to corner the state government out here. Even at the national level, like they did not take our cases. They didn't, firstly, they didn't take our cases for like six months. The, the case we filed with Colin Gonzalez about the EFI reporting system and the conflict surrounding that. So they did not take that, but then we actually organized an email campaign where we sent like uh, a lot of emails, like five, 6,000 emails to the registrars of the Supreme Court and, and the High Court. And then they had to take it up. Like we actually got to know from the registrar itself that because of the emails, they had to take up the matter because there's a lot of pressure on them. So they've taken up the matter. And I mean, uh, the, the impression earlier of the judges was like, oh, we can't take this petition. It's going to promote vaccine hesitancy. The WHO says vaccine hesitancy is like a big threat. Uh, so we we can't entertain these uh, and then the narrative totally changed because we've been using a lot of pressure tactics and kind of legal hacks that that these lawyers have in the legal system so we managed to get these cases at least to to being heard and uh, we've managed to like uh, flip the situation a lot like earlier they were totally dismissive and they were like just about to throw out the cases but we've, we've used some legal tactics to actually make sure that they are being heard. So all these matters are going on right now, like to challenge the vaccine mandates in Mumbai, in, in my state. Uh, and we filed like 30 petitions in the Supreme Court from every single state, like challenging the mandates. There's uh, like uh, Supreme Court cases going on at the national level with Prashant Bhushan and Colin Gonzalez. And this uh, matter I told you about, like we are just uh, working on the drafting of the petition. So that, that should go in a week or two. And we've also filed a petition on like uh, asymptomatic spread and like why, why, that, why, why we shouldn't be testing asymptomatics really. So that's the legal action that's been going on. But we haven't had a, an order yet that's been passed in our favor, but we've had like some win, at least the Maharashtra government made an exemption for people uh, who have like a medical issue. At least they made an exemption for that, which is like the first in India. Like no state has ever done this or acknowledged this. So at least because of everything we're doing in our, in our city, we've managed to get something. And today the center just gave it an affidavit in the Supreme Court. Like it's just news from yesterday that uh, they haven't mandated vaccines at all. And the vaccines on paper, they're totally voluntary in India. But that's the stand of the center. But then the state governments are just doing their own thing and they're passing all these orders where you can't get out of your house if you don't have a vaccine, you can't go to a shop, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to your employer, like in your office. 
So yeah, we are really challenging all of that right now through the legal system. I, I'm very glad to hear that. As I always say, I don't expect that we're going to get all our freedoms through the courts, but at any rate, that should be an avenue that people are pursuing, and we should be filing those types of legal challenges. So I'm glad to hear that's happening, and that you've had at least some minor success, at least some sort of success so far, and I'm looking forward to the updates on that. And finally, finally, I understand you're working on sort of the next part of this investigation after uh, looking at the ties to the global pu public health mafia. Now you're looking at the financial ties of some of these players, right? Yes. So what I found is that like the biggest business houses in our country, be that the, the, the Tatas, like uh, we have the Tata family out here, we have the Ambani's. I'm, I'm sure, like I think in your interview with Satya Sagar, they were, you were talking about the Ambani's with him. So we have the Ambani family out here that's like very influential, and we have a lot of other like uh, kind of players out here. We have Nandan Nilekani, who you referenced in your Gates documentary, actually, who was the creator of Aadhaar. He was a Congress politician who actually created Aadhaar, and he's a big buddy of Gates. And him and Gates are actually involved in uh, actually implementing demonetization in India as well. Funnily enough, and the USAID was involved in that. You went into that in, in like a piece you did on demonetization. Uh, so what I found is that a lot of these people are like uh, involved with Gates deeply. They're involved with the Rockefeller Foundation deeply, and a lot of them are sitting in the Trilateral Commission. So if you go and see like the Trilateral Commission's uh, Asia like attendees, you will find a lot of Indian representation there from the Brookings Institute, uh, from the CII Aspen Center. So the Aspen Institute, I think you've you've done videos like uh, covering them as well. So all these like representatives are present in India and a lot of the billionaires who are out here who are connected with the globalists, they're all sitting or they at least have their representatives sitting in the Club of Rome and the Trilateral Commission and the World Economic Forum. Actually, Mukesh Ambani is like one of the biggest billionaires in India. I think he comes in like uh, top five or something. And he is one of the founding board members of the World Economic Forum. So he's actually like sitting with Klaus right in there. So we do have a lot of Indian representation in these globalist bodies. So I'm, I'm working on a, a piece and like a same kind of in-depth expose on that, which should, should be out sometime soon. Yeah. I am very much looking forward to that. What is the best way that people can follow your work? Uh, Anarchy for Freedom India, but like sadly, I'm mainly doing Hindi content because I, most of the people in our country, are, they, they read and speak Hindi and stuff. And that's how we're growing the numbers as well. Because the, the English speaking kind of trendy millennials and all they they tend to dismiss all this stuff and they're really stuck in like the mainstream paradigm so i make some english content once in a while like this interview of course i'll upload it on my channel in english as well but most of it is in hindi so awaken india movement is probably the best place to follow us because and my uh, telegram channel like it's called aff india so you you can just like check me out over there and i keep posting english updates on our legal cases and uh, even if i write some articles or i make some video that's in english you can check out uh, my telegram channel that probably be the best place to find me excellent well i'll include all links to all of that in the show notes and for everything we've talked about today as well i hope people will at the very least check out your very detailed article here a lot of important information regarding how india ties into the global public health mafia i appreciate you for doing that johan tengra thank you very much for joining us today Thank you so much, James. Pleasure to speak to you, man.